You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. It is so good to be able to be back. Uh, we're starting a brand new series next Sunday uh, where we're going to go through the book of Genesis. We're calling it In the Beginning, and I want to encourage you to make sure that you don't miss the next few Sundays. But today, I've got a word that the Lord has put on my heart. We're going to be looking at John chapter 5, so I encourage you to get out your Bible. Uh, turn with me to John chapter 5. It is going to come up on the screen, though. I'm going to be reading a, 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 a slightly large chunk of passage, and then uh, we're going to get into the message. Are you ready this morning? All right. We're alive. We're awake. John chapter 5, verse 1. It's also in the app. Uh, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I can't, sir, the man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who, who, was, who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But the man replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Lord, we commit ourselves to you for the next uh, few moments, oh God, and we commit ourselves to hearing uh, from your word, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you're your word is alive. And it is as relevant for my life today as it was the day it was written. And Father, we open our hearts and our ears and our, um, our spirit to you. God, would you speak to us now? Oh Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you are a person who likes a title for messages, if you are taking notes, I've called this message, A Crowd, A Pool, and A Lame Man Walking. I want you to imagine the scenario with me, whether you're in the room or online, get your imaginations going. There's a very large group of people, sick and hurting people, gathering at the side of a pool, the pool of Bethesda. Now, each and every one of them is hopelessly incurable. Nothing more can be done for them. All they can do is beg and hope and pray for a miracle. How eager they all would have been to believe the stories that they had heard about the miraculous healings that could take place at this pool that they are sat by, even if they'd never actually seen anyone be healed there before, how much they would have hoped that those stories and rumors might have been true. You see, it was not at all uncommon for sick people to congregate around water believing that it held healing powers. This particular pool that they were gathered by on this day, the pool of Bethesda, was deep enough 
for you to swim in. And in the footnotes of your Bible, you might have noticed that there is a passage, there is a a couple of verses that have been added in there. They don't appear in most translations, probably added at a later time, but when we read them, we begin to get a picture of what might have been happening, what might have been taking place at this pool. You see, beneath the pool was what is believed to have been a spring, which every now and then would cause the water to bubble up, would disturb the waters. But the belief at the time was that this disturbance was caused by an angel. And that the first person who could get into the pool, the first person who could touch the water once the disturbance happened would be healed from any illness, any sickness, anything that they were suffering from. Now this to you and I sounds like a mere superstition, but it was the kind of belief that it actually spread all over the world in ancient times and is still a belief held in many, many places around the world today. So imagine, imagine this picture. Imagine this picture of these multitudes, these crowds of people surrounding this pool and all of a sudden the water begins to boil. The water begins to bubble or froth or whatever it does in some way. Can you imagine the pandemonium that would have broken out? Can you imagine the chaos that would have taken place around this pool? That that only one person was going to receive healing at the stirring of these waters. Every ailing person there at the pool is now in competition with the rest of the crowd, the rest of the multitudes who are there also hoping to all be able to get the same one healing. No one dares tell anyone else if they see a little movement in the water because they don't want to be overtaken by somebody. They don't want to be first in the pool. So all of a sudden, people begin to push and shove and trip as every sick and desperate person tries to get to the water first. Pushing, shoving, hopping, rolling, crawling their way to the edge of the water, absolute and total chaos. You can imagine this place. You can imagine what would take place. And then even if one person was healed, it definitely wasn't going to be the most needy person that was at the pool that day because the one with the smallest ailment would have been the most likely person to be able to reach the pool first, right? Leaving everyone with the greatest need still standing on the side or sitting or whatever it was at the side of the pool, the most needy person was never likely to be the first person to get in the pool. And so even if one person did get in there first and get the healing, that would have left every other person to try and clamber their way back out of the water again, back to their positions and await the next chance, whenever that might be. And it is in this scene that we find a lame man who has been in that place waiting for a miracle for the last 38 years. 13,870 days. Waiting with the hope that maybe the stories are right. Maybe the rumors are true. And maybe by some stroke of luck or some favor from God, that he might be the first in the water, that maybe this was his chance to get the miracle healing that he was hoping for. His situation, at first glance, is utterly hopeless, utterly hopeless, until until a man who he didn't know approaches him. A man who he didn't know walks past, notices him, stops, and asks him if he would like to get well. Seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, like, isn't the answer obvious? Like, he's paralyzed, isn't he? Like, he's been sitting for 38 years next to a pool rumored to heal people. 
hoping to be the one that could get in the pool. He's, he's been sitting there waiting for the very thing that Jesus is asking him if he wants. Would you like to get well? His reply, I can't. I can't surf or I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Have you ever had one of those creepy things happen where you're sitting around with your friends or your spouse one evening and you're talking about how wonderful it would be to go on a tropical holiday? And then when you wake up the next morning and you open your phone and you go onto Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media tickles your fancy, you know what ad is going to be the first one popping up, don't you? It's going to be an ad for a tropical holiday. And from that moment on, it feels like every single thing you are seeing on your social media is an ad for a tropical holiday. Sometimes I find it's a little bit like that when I'm waiting for a miracle. Sometimes when I'm waiting for a miracle, it feels like everything I see is everyone else getting the miracle that they are waiting for. It feels like everything that pops up in front of me is somebody else getting the answer to prayer that I desire. It can feel like that sometimes, can't it? Like we spend a whole lot of time watching out someone get ahead of us, someone get into the pool ahead of us. It can feel like someone else is getting the opportunities that we are praying for. It can feel like someone else is getting the healing, someone else is getting the blessing, someone else is getting the favor. But I want you to hear this today. When we're in that place, we have to be really careful that we don't become like this man. We have to be very careful that we don't develop a yeah, but mentality. Would you like to get well? Yeah, but I can't get into the pool. Would you like to get well? Yeah, but someone else always beats me to it. I remember a number of years ago, I had a meeting with a young lady. She contacted me. She said, hey, I've got some circumstances going on in my life. I'd like your advice. Would you go for a coffee with me? So we went to the coffee shop, we sat down, we ordered our coffee, and she began to explain to me her situation and the, what she was feeling about it. And as I listened, I began to offer some suggestions. I began to offer some advice. And with every single piece of advice, every word of wisdom, I believe I have much, uh, every encouragement, every relatable scenario, every scripture, I mean, guys, I've really pulled out all the stops here. But I am not kidding, every single, and this is no exaggeration, every single thing that came out of my mouth, a yeah but came from hers. Yeah but it'll take too long. Yeah but they said this. Yeah but that was for them, that's not for me. Yeah but they won't believe me. Yeah but they think this of me. Yeah but I can't do that. Yeah but I don't want to do that. Yeah but I've tried that and it didn't work. I have never, never, ever in all my life heard so many yeah buts in one conversation, and I left that coffee realizing that as much as she said she wanted a change in her circumstance, she was never going to see it until she changed the way she spoke about it. Here's the thing, sometimes we can become so discouraged in our season that we put away our hope. We put away all hope of healing. We put away all hope of being set free from that addiction. We often we can become so discouraged in our waiting that we put away that hope of being reconciled or being whole. But when Jesus asks the man the question, he isn't asking it because Jesus needs to hear the answer. He's asking it because the man needed to hear the answer. Jesus asks in order that he might stir hope in us 
again. Jesus asks so that we can change our year but into a but God. We must develop a but God mindset. Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good. Psalm 73, verse 26, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. My circumstance seems impossible, but God is the God of the impossible. I'm struggling to see what my future holds. Come on. But God has a plan for my life, and it's a plan for good and not for evil. The doctor's report isn't good, but God is my healer. My bank account's empty, but God is my provider. The mountain seems impossible to climb, but God promises strength to the weak. Where in your life do you need to begin to develop a but God mentality? Where in your life have you had a yeah but mindset? Come on, we've got to get a but God mentality in our spirit. The lame man is healed. He's healed at the command of Jesus to pick up his mat. Jesus says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, from everything that we know and have seen, what Jesus is asking this man is impossible. He is asking him to do the impossible. He can't even shuffle himself to the pool alone, let alone stand up and carry his mat. And yet it would seem to me that this man had exhausted all hope from human effort and initiative. Every day he's relied on someone else to get him to the pool, someone else to carry him home again. He's relied on someone else to help him get to the water each time it stirs, and every single time he's come up short in an effort to heal himself. It would seem to me that this man had absolutely no other option but to obey Jesus at his command. You ever been in that scenario in your life where you have exhausted every single effort, human effort, in order to heal yourself? And, and you're saying, Jesus, what you are asking of me is impossible. But when I have tried everything in my own effort and I have failed, all I can do is obey at the word of Jesus' command. And so acting on the word of Jesus, not human effort, acting on the word of Jesus, he stood. And the Bible says he was instantly healed. From hopeless to healed, from hopeless to healed, this man was the only one at the pool we believe, doesn't say anyone else was healed. He was the only one at the pool that day who receives healing. Wow. And I began to ask myself as I read this passage, how is it that Jesus managed to slip away so quietly and so unnoticed by multitudes of sick and desperate people that were there? Because in every other case that we see that follows the story in the Gospels, we read that every time Jesus was near, crowds followed him. We read scenarios where Jesus was near and crowds of needy, sick people pressed in on every side. We read about a woman who stretched her hand through the crowd because she just wanted to get close to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment so that she could heal his front, get her healing. And yet, yet this crowd... This crowd of people, this crowd, it would seem, did not even notice that Jesus was in the room. 
There was a great multitude of sick people, all in the same utterly hopeless, desperate situation that our lame but now healed man was in. All in need of healing, and not one of them looked to Jesus. Not one of them noticed this exchange between the man and the healer. The Jewish leaders hadn't even noticed. The only reason their attention was drawn to what had happened was because the healing took place on the Sabbath and they saw that he was carrying a mat. And according to man-made additions to the Sabbath law, you weren't allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. It was the only reason they noticed the man walking around, because he was carrying a mat. So why did so many miss Jesus? Because they were too busy looking at the pool. The pool that may or may not heal them. The pool that who knows if anyone's actually been healed. The pool that might maybe, who knows, might stir at any moment, and yet, yet Jesus, 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 who had just healed a man who had sat for 38 years, Jesus, who just on his way to this location had just healed a a, a government official's son without even laying eyes on him. Jesus, who actually had the power to heal them, was walking among them, and not a single one of them sought him out. You know, I recently heard this story um, from Canon J. John's Instagram. There was a workman leaving a factory after a long day of work, and he left the factory with a wheelbarrow, uh, pushing a wheelbarrow out of the factory. And as he got to the factory gates, the security guard stops him and says, whoa, 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 what's in your wheelbarrow? Inside the wheelbarrow was a small box. The man says, well, I've got a small box. He says, I can see you've got a small box. What's inside the box? He says, well, you know the sawdust that lies on the factory floor every day? Well, at the end of every day, we sweep it up and we throw it away. Well, I needed some at home, so I grabbed some. I popped it in the box and I'm taking it home. He says, the security guard says, show me. So he opens up the box and he shows him inside the box and sure enough, inside the box is sawdust. So he says, okay, off you go. Second day rolls around, the man's leaving the factory at the end of the day with a wheelbarrow and a small box. The the security guard says, what's in the wheelbarrow? He says, I've got the small box. He says, yeah, I know, but what's in it? He says, it's sawdust, show me. Opens it up, sure enough, sawdust, he lets the man go. Third day, same thing happens. Fourth day, same thing happens. Fifth day, the security guard stops him and says, buddy, what's in the wheelbarrow? He says, it's the same thing I've taken out every single day. It's a small box with sawdust. He says, show me, opens the box, sawdust. The security guard goes, I just, I've just got, I cannot shake this feeling that you were trying to steal something. He says, I do not know what it is, but I'm absolutely convinced of it. I'll make a deal with you. You tell me what it is, and I promise I won't report you. The man says, okay, all right, I'll tell you. I'm stealing wheelbarrows. He was so fixated on the small box of sawdust, he missed the wheelbarrow. And isn't it so true that there are many times in our lives where we become so fixated on the small thing that we miss the biggest thing? We become so fixated on the problem that we miss the opportunity. We become so fixated on the destination that we miss every miracle along the way. We become so fixated on the pool that we miss Jesus. 
Spurgeon puts it like this. He says they were so taken by their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. In fact, the way in which Jesus healed them was in such stark contrast to the system in which an entire crowd of people was depending upon for their healing that they didn't even notice that a healing had taken place. They missed it because it wasn't what they were waiting for. And I don't know about you, but I know that if I am not keeping my eye close on Jesus, I am always at risk of missing what he wants to do in my life because it really looks like what I have been waiting for. I've been waiting for healing, and yet often what God has given me is a deep, a deep and devoted prayer life. I've prayed for patience, and instead God's given me a test of patience. I've prayed for, prayed for an opportunity through that door, and God's given me an opportunity through that door. I've prayed that God would change that person, and God has changed me instead. Maybe you're waiting for a more convenient season. Maybe you're waiting for a dream or a vision. Maybe you're waiting for signs, for wonders. Maybe you're waiting for revival. Maybe you're waiting for a particular feeling or a particular purpose. Maybe you're waiting for everything to fall into place. I don't know what you are waiting for, but let me tell you this. Don't miss, don't miss what Jesus is doing because it is in contrast to the system that you have set up for him to work through. Don't miss it because it doesn't look like what you're waiting for. Don't miss it because it doesn't look like what you're waiting for. I'm going to ask the band to come and you join me now. And I tell you the thing that impacted me most about this story. This man was one among crowds of people. And Jesus saw him. And when it says that Jesus saw him, it means he really saw him. It means to know, to perceive, to pay attention to. Among the multitudes, he saw him. He saw this man. He knew this man. And he was attentive to this man. And I wonder, in a crowd this size, in a room this size, I wonder, watching online, how many of you sit in your utterly hopeless circumstance desperately needing to be reminded that God sees you too. But he doesn't just see you, he really sees you. He knows you. He knows you. And his desire is that he would be able to attend to you. Can I tell you today, he knows how to find you in a crowd. Because in verse 13 we read that Jesus sought him out again. He came to this man a second time. And he came and found him again in the temple. And Jesus gives him this time, he gives him a way to live. A way to live now. He says, sin no more. He's saying, turn your life around. He's saying, live a different way. This time, Jesus didn't want to bring healing to his physical body. He wanted to bring healing to his inner man. Because Jesus knew that his physical transformation would amount to nothing significant if he did not experience a heart transformation too. Jesus wanted him both healed and whole. And I wonder in the room today, how many of you need to be reminded 
that Jesus wants you both healed and whole. Healed and whole. Outward healing is futile if we don't allow the same God that can heal us to do a heart transformation in us. Let me ask you this. Where in your life have you only been seeking a change in your physical circumstance? But you've realized today that God actually desires to bring an inner transformation to your life too. And I wonder if after hearing all of that, I wonder if there are some people in the room, some people online, who feel like they can relate just an awful lot to that hopelessness felt by that man, to that desperation felt like that crowd. And if you would allow me to today, I would absolutely love to pray for you now. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Online, would you join us as we pray? Lord, we come to you now in our desperate state, lifting whatever circumstance we are journeying through right now. We lift it to you, Lord. And I pray for every person in this room, every person under the sound of my voice who feel that same sense of hopelessness in their circumstance. And Lord, I pray that you would stir hope in us again. Lord, help us to walk through our circumstance with a but God mindset. Help us to see where you might be working in our lives. Lord, don't let us miss you. Thank you that you seek us out, that you see us and that your desire is to heal us and make us whole. Lord, I pray for every person right now who is journeying through a difficult season, a struggle. They feel at a loss. God, I pray that your comfort and your peace and your presence be with them. Lord, may, may we each, may we each be able to walk out of this season with a testimony of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head still bowed, every eye closed. You know, I would love to pray for those of you who are in this place and you're like that man started out, didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the power that this man had to work and transform his life. And maybe you don't know much of Jesus either. Maybe you're new to church, or maybe you aren't new to church, but you have never made a decision to really commit your life to him. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm inviting every single person, every single person. doesn't matter if you have been here for years, but you know today you need to get your life right with God. Every single person, would you join me? Because God loves you. He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And, and naturally, just like this man, he seeks you out. He knows you. He calls you by name. Our sin that separates us from God, just like this man, separates us from him. But in his mercy and grace, he sent his son Jesus to walk a sinless life. 
but then die the sinner's death on a cross to pay the debt that you and I were due for our sin. He paid it all. He wiped the slate clean. The Bible says he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And he gives us a brand new start. And today, he's offering that brand new start to you. Would you join me as we pray today? I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart. You ready? Come on, let's pray together. We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose your forgiveness today. I choose to turn my life around and make a brand new start with you. Thank you for the plans you have for me. In Jesus' name. Every head still bowed and every eye closed. I'd love to know who it was that I prayed for today. I'm not doing it because I want to embarrass you. I'm not doing it because I'm going to make you stand up. Nothing like that. I just simply love to acknowledge you. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, you can lift your hand nice and high like this. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it, then I can pop it straight back down online. There's a button you can push as well. It says, I'm commi- uh, I raise my hand, you can push that button, and then we will, would love to acknowledge you as well. Are you ready? Come on, let's be brave. We can do this together. One, two, three. You can lift your hand now. You're saying, Bex, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. To my left, you're saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? Yeah, thank you. Up on the TED seating. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Awesome. Two online, I see you. Anybody else? Yes, on this side to my right. Thank you. Three online, thank you. Down the back there, thank you. I see you. Four online, thank you. We'll wait a moment longer. You're saying, Bex, count me in. Need to get my life right with God. I'm coming back to him today. Awesome. Thank you. Lord, we're thankful for your grace. We thank you that you see us in a crowd, that you find us, that you call us by name and you call us home to you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you for every purpose that you have, for every single one. If I lift up every person who prayed that prayer today, Lord, we give you thanks, we give you praise. I pray your blessing over them, your anointing and your protection go with them. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Come on, church, would you give God our praise today? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.